and welcome to episode number 86 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Fairway Jay, where we break down all the big bets, all the big news, all of the stuff going on in this crazy gambling industry of ours. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts as well. At the Lions US, at PlayPix US is where you can find us on the Twitter machine. So go in and give us a follow over there as well. We'll talk some NFL and NBA betting news, which is pretty crazy that we have each league in the same week to talk about. But some interesting stuff coming out of there. Of course, we will look at the big games this week and let's kick things off here with just a you know, we talk about we bring you some of these big bets whenever we hear them roll across and we certainly want to talk about those and the whole the whole mattress max situation. But man, this is something out of the DFS world. And Brett, this is, you know, look, if you've played enough DFS, you know, we've heard of some pretty crazy beats that have come along the way. But this might be the one for the most amount of money that I've ever heard of. Yeah, this is a wild one. So a player named Carney 259 on DraftKings had a point four point advantage in the DraftKings Million Maker contest right at the end of the Sunday slate. It's towards the end of the Chiefs Raiders game on, on Sunday, 40 seconds left. The Raiders just scored. This guy, all, all he really had to do was fade something crazy in the last 40 seconds for the Chiefs defense, and he'd win a million dollars. And then the Chiefs blocked the extra point and read it back for a touchdown. Uh, so that added points to the Chiefs defense. And Carney 259 dropped from first place into third place behind two people who had the Chiefs defense. Not a great way to finish <laughs> your tough. Sunday, but th- at the same time, the guy did win 40 grand. So is it a bad beat? Yes. But think of all the thousands of people who didn't win 40 grand on Sunday. Sure. I try, I tried to put a positive spin on it just, and like you said, look, we we look at this through a different lens, having played DFS for so long, played these big GPPs. I think, I think I'm built differently than a lot of people who don't play and have these huge swings like this. But I, I, I don't know. I saw this a little different than most people. Yeah. I mean, Jay, I guess we sit here and we say, you know, he, it, you know, quote unquote, cost him nine hundred and sixty thousand dollars because he ends up with 40 instead of the million. But if you look at it, I mean, the million was never his in the first place. So you can't lose what you didn't actually have. And while he was in position to win the money, he had not actually won the money yet. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where in in these crazy gambling situations, I mean, you've had bad beats in betting. I've had bad beats in betting poker, whatever it might be. I think we all know that we're we're gambling. There's risk involved, and it is certainly not done until the clock hits zero on everything, or that final card hits the river, or whatever it might be. So, it's uh you know it's a bummer for sure, and I really really hate it for this guy. It is gutting to think that you would have had that much money because it's a difference between a really nice score and life changing money. But um you know the the money was never actually in his possession anyway, so it's kind of just uh it's more of just a bummer than anything. Else. It's great for the other two guys. Nobody talks about that <laughs> right, side of it. Right. Imagine right, being right. those two guys. Yeah, they split up. They each got five hundred fifty thousand. I saw, and then, you know, so many of these games are decided in the fourth quarter, and certainly at the end game. If this was a parlay, and you know, a guy had a big parlay or an eight or ten team parlay, and that touchdown at the end would have been the difference in the point spread, and then he has, you know, the kick returned where now it's taken away. We we that would be out there in the sports betting landscape, I'm sure. And so it's tough to it's <laughs> this is a tough one. I I can imagine if you're playing and watching that, you'd go from. Uh, exhilaration probably thinking as I move to the top here to having that happen those uh those swings can be difficult yeah he didn't have the money but in in these games it always you know it's coming down to those last plays oftentimes and in the later games as well I'm sure so uh yeah as I read through that that's that's gonna both funny in a way but uh we know that part of it in sports betting Brett it was the year that DraftKings had just that massive live NFL final where the first play, it was won by AE Jones back in the day, but it was, it was where first place was 5 million. Do you remember that? 
for do, yeah. for the NFL Live Final, and I think they valued the the actual seats at something absurd, like eighty five, ninety thousand dollars or something, right? Like it because they needed them to be you know that big in order to make the prize pool that they were going for, and I think the prize pool was like ten million or something with five million going to first. I do remember from that year somebody was in place to win a seat to um to to that live final. And basically what had happened was Drew Brees had like seven yards rushing in the game. And then the the Saints were up so big that they went out and Drew Brees took three knees and lost two (laughs) yards on each one of the three (laughs) knees that he took. And it took away six of the seven rushing yards. And the guy lost by point one points because of the three knees that uh, Drew Brees took. And so uh, I do remember that one from back in the day, which I thought at the time was like, man, that that's infinitely crazy that something like that could happen for you to lose but then when i saw this it's just you know just the most improbable of circumstances for that chain of events to happen because you need two bad beats to happen in one single play the the block and for it to get scooped and, and returned like you need yeah. it yeah the ball has to bounce yeah exactly the way it did for that to happen and yeah. not only that but why did the chiefs guy even run it back for a touch like he doesn't have to do that no it's just like you, <laughs> he could it was just like fall down yeah, it's like a double bad beat because like you first you need the kick to be blocked and then you need it to be scooped and sco- yeah it was just uh unbelievable right there just how that that all all played out here but man this this gambling world of ours certainly something that we uh, certainly something that we're kind of used to. I think a lot of people heard the story and they're like, oh my God, I jump off a bridge. But I think if you've done enough, if you've done enough gambling and especially if you played enough poker, uh, I mean, look, if, if your reaction is I would jump off a bridge, don't play this contest because all the money goes to first place. And these things happen pretty often. Like so many things can shift all this money in one play. Right. So, I mean, and that's one reason I don't play this contest is because I don't know if I could handle this swing at the top. It's it's pretty wild. This contest, this uh, this Millie Maker contest is crazy. It is. There's no doubt about that. One of the big stories that hit the sports betting industry this week and the NFL kind of casually dropped this on a Friday afternoon after Thanksgiving. So uh, it didn't it took a, a little bit for this thing to really kind of blow up because everybody was dealing with their family and everything in the fallout from Thanksgiving and coming out of their food comas. But an NFL player, his name is Josh Shaw. You might remember him from another little incident that happened uh, back in the day, which I'll let uh, I'll, I'll let Jay explain in just a little bit. But he was uh, he was caught betting on the NFL games and Jay, I'll let you take it from here. But basically his excuse was he didn't, he thought things have changed, but we all know it's always been the rule in the NFL. Yes. Apparently he thought with the legal sports betting that uh, he could bet on games, but um, not allowed by NFL players, personnel and others in the industry that uh, bet on games. So he did, it came out that he bet a three-team parlay that included the Arizona Cardinals. He's obviously out with a shoulder injury. But what I what I had a difficult time, I guess, as I read through this, is he's going to be suspended. And what I had a tough time was he filled out an application at Caesars. And by Nevada gaming law, the, the bookmakers, like Caesars, are supposed to take um, – in quotes, take reasonable steps to avoid accepting wagers by NFL players or professional athletes. So they knew he disclosed this on his application that he was a professional football player. And whether they didn't screen that or they just didn't pick that up, um, I kind of thought as I read through that, well, God, you know, they they should have definitely said you're not allowed to bet here, but they did. And he, they ultimately reported it to Nevada gaming board, which brings the NFL's attention. And obviously he's being slapped with a significant suspension because of the gambling that's not allowed by the players. So, uh, but anyway, he did, he did make a bet. He's acknowledging that. And if you get back to what you remember back in 2014, he was playing, he was, a athlete and a football player at USC and he injured his ankles actually, uh, from a third story balcony, but he went on to say that he was had the injury happen because he was saving his drowning nephew, which of course never happened. So he's had some issues in the past with uh, lying and not acknowledging uh, some things. And now he's acknowledging that he didn't know about the gambling laws apparently, but that shouldn't be the case. Yeah. I mean, Brett, if we take a look at this, um, I've heard some people try and say like, 
I mean, come on. He did it legally in Nevada and whatever and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's all fine and dandy. But he is an employee and his employer can tell him what he can and can't do. I mean, if you're a if you're somebody who drives, a, you know, a big rig or something or if you're doing whatever, like it doesn't matter if you reside in a state that has legalized marijuana. You can't friggin go smoke a joint and then drive your your rig across the country with like, you, you know, full of someone else's goods and stuff or whatever. Like, that's just not how it works so you're, it, it, it There are rules that are in place by employers. And this is something that has been this. The fact that he's trying to play it off that he thought something changed with what this has been the rule in the NFL. I mean, this has been a big, yes. big rule in the NFL for a long, long, long time. And we know for a fact, because we've seen it even behind the scenes on some of these hard knocks programs and all these things like that, that look, they give these rookies and they give these guys like a, a full on up and down of what you can and can't do as an NFL player. And, you know, whether that comes from uh, steroids or, or banned substances or whatever it might be. I mean, they let these guys know every single year what they can and can't do. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, and Brett, maybe you have a different take on this. I just think the guy did something stupid and he got caught and now he's doing the same thing he did over at USC and he's trying to <laughs> he's trying to just lie his way out of it which is all we all know what's going on here man yeah I think so too and yet yeah, this is this is an integrity issue and the NFL is protecting itself because the optics of this look really bad my question is how far do you have to distance yourself from the NFL to where you can actually bet on the NFL like if you tried out for an NFL team 10 15 years ago can you bet like, where, where's the where's the line to where you can't bet on the NFL one day and you can the next day? I mean, I think when you retire, I mean, like as long yes. as you're not an employee, not an employee. Yeah. So if you're you know, as long as you don't work for the National Football League, then you can. I mean, I I mean, I live but, here in Vegas. I see guys all the time. I mean, obviously come in and, and bet and stuff, but they're retired dudes and they're guys that are no longer active in the league. It's interesting because you still have information about the coaches, the players, like it, stuff that normal people don't know, right? You, you had a playbook for this team. You can bet on bet on the bet on or against the team the next year. Well, yeah, but that I mean, that's no me. different than any of these inside. I mean, a, a lot of these betting syndicates syndicates have, you know, moles inside of teams and things and whatever, and they get inside information. I mean, you know, it's just a little more public if it's a, if it's sure. an athlete, whatever, but I mean, it's, you know, getting getting information and getting inside stuff is you know i think it's just kind of part of it but um you know i i i also look at this jay and i'm curious as to as to your thought here i mean this is a guy you know look josh shaw as you mentioned he was on ir had not played a down for the cardinals all year long as it is anyway so not anything that really you know he's not a big name guy the fact that they come out suspended for the rest of this season, he wasn't going to play the rest of the season anyway, and then suspend him all of next year. This is definitely the NFL. I mean, this is like a, essentially a threat in public, right? I mean, this is them. This is basically them letting the rest of the league know, hey, look at, look at what we're going to do to this guy. Don't let this be you. Yeah, I think they brought the policy up again before. Uh, just before they announced that this was coming down again, sending a memo out to the teams and the players again, just a reinforcement. But like you said, they, they know, they know all this before the season. They're, they're briefed on this over and over. This is, this is just ignorance. He just is uh, playing it off. Like he didn't know, but the reality is he does and he made a mistake and he's going to pay a price for that. One other comments about like the insider stuff. And again, I'm not a horse racing guy, but I do know that, you know, trainers can bet on the races and believe me, they're impacting the races because some of those guys are definitely cheating you know they're giving drugs to their horses and you got inside information in a sense like that where they know that you know what they're giving and in relating to sports betting guys that are still maybe or guys that are now out of the league yeah they might know personnel and playbooks and that but that's that's really that's a non-factor i think is like you said there's syndicates and algorithms and people that are really digging into numbers just trying to take get the bookmakers information but that's uh that's that's different this is this is ignorance on his part and he just made a mistake and he's going to pay a penalty for it brett i guess uh the other thing to bring up here and just so that in case anyone just isn't familiar with this story is just to let there there's no integrity issue here whatsoever as we mentioned this guy had not even played a down for the cardinals so he, there was no impact on any game whatsoever he could not he's not in a position to really make an impact on a game anyway i am of the mindset that unless you're a 
you know, unless you're a quarterback, essentially, you're you're almost not in a position in an NFL game to make any sort of impact that can affect the game anyway. So, um, you know, I'm on kind of team. This whole fixing games thing is is getting like any, anytime anyone even brings that up. I'm just I just kind of go, come on, guy. Like if you want to talk to yes. me, about, if you want to talk to me about NBA, that's one thing where you can have so much possession over a ball and whatever. That's that's one thing. And if you want to talk to me about, you know, some of these, uh, obviously some of the lesser sports and tennis and things and whatever, where, you know, individual sports. Sure. But like unless you're an actual quarterback in the league, you, you don't have enough impact over a game to have any sort of anything that could that could sway a point spread or a total or any kind of anything like that. And and then you look at that a little bit deeper. One more layer is these goddamn quarterbacks make so much money as it is. Anyway, you couldn't you couldn't pay someone enough to throw a game or to fix a game because they're making friggin 20, 30 million dollars, you know, to, to play in the NFL. And if they're not, if you're a second string guy, you understand that if you go out there and play well, that you're in line to make 20, 30 million dollars or whatever, because we've seen it time and time again that these guys go out and have five good games and then get signed on these massive contracts or something. So, um, you know, just I just want everybody to know that the integrity of anything that went on here was, was is a non-issue. I agree, but I guess that's why I'm more confused as to why the NFL kind of swept this under the rug. There was no transparency here, transparency about the investigation that, that doesn't sound like the Cardinals even knew this was going on. So why? Why would why aren't they being upfront about this and getting ahead of it? And just I I don't understand why they just kind of threw this at us on a Friday after Thanksgiving. Oh, why? why? It was certainly handled as poorly as humanly possible because it took David Purdom from ESPN digging in to find out that, you know, he did place it at a legal sports book. He was in a legal state. He, you know, whatever, all this stuff like that. Like, why would they lead that out? Why wouldn't they come out and not say, oh, by the way, this guy was betting at friggin, you know, at an offshore book or something, you know, like that. Like, these are all things that it would have been very easy for the NFL to just lay out from the get go and say, hey, we were notified by Caesars Palace that one of our employees placed a bet at legally at one of their sports books. However, despite the fact that the bet was legal, we have a strict policy in place that no NFL employee is able to bet on any outcome of any game. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, that's that's all they would have had there to do. Yeah, you know, do that. Yeah, that's all they would have had to do. And then everybody in because this thing, there were several hours between Purdom posting his story where people didn't know the specifics. And so they were wondering, like, oh, could this have been some sort of scenario where this guy has like been gambling, you know, at one of these offshores for years and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's just I don't know. The NFL, I think this is not even a shocker. And Jay, I think you'd probably agree with this as well. I mean, it's, it's real. It's not a shocker that the NFL handled this poorly, but I guess it's maybe because if you look at it, it's their first instance of this since this whole, you know, new since the the gambling is now legal in, in so many states and certainly has gotten much more publicity. And I feel like they took the wrong approach thinking that, hey, not being as open with this as possible is probably better for us when really I think the complete opposite would have been better. They don't want the headlines like this. And and remember, the NFL is for years. They're just it's hypocrisy on how they've for years and years, uh, you know, tried to deny the gambling, like the aspect and the impact of it. We know that it, players watch the games and bet on the games and they haven't wanted to acknowledge all that. And they've had fantasy conferences out here in Vegas and, and get, getting out to the players. They've had owners investing in the, the, the fantasy companies and they don't want to acknowledge that that's uh, not, not part of uh, gambling in the process. But they in this case, I just don't think they want the, the negative publicity that's going to come now because sports betting and sports gambling is really uh, out in the mainstream and forefront talked about often as we do. And they don't I necessarily want to see the headlines that it's a negative or to bring up the then questions about impact on integrity. So they're trying to brush it away, I think, in that regard. And, yeah, it sounds like you had to dig a little deeper to get the specifics of it yeah, in this case. The problem is if you're not transparent up front, then you open yourself up to yes. even worse headlines when people start looking for answers to the questions. And I think that's what happened here. It could have been a lot worse than it was, but um, hopefully they learned their lesson with this. Yeah. And hopefully a lot of the players as well just realize like, hey, let's, you know, just chill out when it comes to yeah. to all of this uh, on the NBA side of things here, though, Brett, we have another little bit of controversy, not near as as big as this, but still 
Um, some controversy nonetheless. If you happen to stay up and we're watching the Rockets and Spurs, good on you because there was a time that the Rockets were up 20 points in that game. So I bet a lot of people turned it off. But uh, there was a play here that you know, it didn't affect the out- outcome of the game. The, the game ended up going to double overtime. There were plenty of chances for the, the, the Rockets to close it out or just win or whatever it might be. But uh, controversy nonetheless in the NBA. Yeah, an inexplicable screw up by the referees in the Houston Rockets San Antonio Spurs game this week. 7.50 left in the game. Rockets up 14. James Harden steals a pass, has a wide open breakaway dunk, which he makes. But the ball whips through the net and back over the rim, which if you blinked, Looked like he missed it in real but, time. It looked like he missed it for yeah, sure. Like in real yeah. time, I was watching it and, and in real time, it certainly, and he actually, I think he even thought he missed it because he kind of went like chasing after the ball a little bit. So I think even he was fooled by, by the way that it went down. Yeah. But then he, like he, he thought about it and realized like, wait, there's no way I missed that dunk. And then they replayed it clearly showed that he made the dunk and then all hell broke loose. Like there was confusion about whether the play could be reviewed or challenged, which it could, but only for 30 seconds. And then the Rockets coach, Misses window to challenge and then to make it worse, like you said, the Spurs actually came back, sent the game into the overtime and the double overtime, which affected the spread and the total. And then they won the game, which affected the money line parlays, everything. It was a disaster for the NBA and especially for sports betting. The the thing, I guess, with this and this almost kind of in a weird way, almost kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the DFS bad beat or something. So and maybe I'm just a little bit more numb to this because, again, I've just done so much gambling over the course of my life in so many different facets that like stuff like this, like I do just understand. I mean, uh, FanDuel came out and, and refunded people who had bet on the, the the Rockets in that game. And apparently they had about twenty thousand dollars worth of liability on the game. So, you know, they they basically do a twenty thousand dollar PR effort here to refund people on the Houston side of things. And. Uh, Jay, I don't know, man. Look, there's I think when we're gambling, there's a human element involved in everything. I do want the calls to be right as many times as humanly possible. I am one of the dudes that's a fan of replay. I am one of the guys who says that maybe there should be even some sort of expansion of of that, because I think that getting it right is better more times than not. But, you know, there's going to be human errors. We still have human referees out there. Stuff like this is going to go down. So. You know, I, I don't know. I guess for me, I don't see all of the jumping up and down and the the, the fists waving in the air and, and things like that when it comes to this, because I just uh, I just kind of chalk it up to, well, you know, you're gambling every now and then it's going to be uh, there's going to be some some human stuff that is involved in it. Yeah, I agree. And in this case, again, they had a 14 point lead. Did it impact the ultimate result? Uh, probably not. But they had the opportunities to continue to put the game away. And, and these kind of calls, um, yeah, we have human error and we have mistakes. I definitely think you need to embrace technology, which these leagues have. And I'm about getting it right as well. And if it takes just a little longer to do that, in this case, there were, there is a window in place and the, the um, coach didn't get that put in place in time the referees acknowledge the mistake but that's how it goes and we see these happen in all sports and many times but the FanDuel promotion here again is just back to what we've seen them do on other occasions my question is you know there's other types of bad beats this one this one wasn't an end game it wasn't right to impact it you know the Vikings missed the extra point towards the end of their, their game that would have you know, impacted millions of dollars in exchange. Would they have refunded in that case if it would have landed four? As it turns out, it lands seven on the point spread where the actual line was three. So, again, they're picking and choosing how they want to refund. Maybe they're looking at how many how much bet they have. You mentioned 20,000 in liability, but it's promotion and we have to get used to that's how what the companies are doing and they have the right to do that and it's good for PR but it's also good for customers and making them feel better in this case. Yeah, it puts the books in a weird spot because then it turns into a customer experience issue and surely that's why FanDuel decided to to offer refunds here. The thing is, for every better who's on the losing side of these missed calls, there's a better who's on the winning side of it too. So, like you said, it's this is part of gambling. This is what this is. I think we need to stress this. This is gambling. Like these refunds on all these these you know the the karma committees to stuff. This is these are all gimmicks. That's not sports betting. Like this this is what sports betting is. I wish that we could get referees who could get it right all the time, but that's not going to happen. 
So, I mean, this this is what it is. Like, these, these things are going to keep happening. And, you know, this is just part of the randomness of it. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think the other thing. Variants. Yeah. And yes. I think the other thing that we should clear up for people who maybe have never dealt with any any sort of something like this, and especially as we move into the expansion into all these other states, is be sure and take a look at the rules of your sports book at, at, at all times, because the reason FanDuel gave a refund here not was because it certainly was not because they had to it was because they just chose to. There's a there's a thing in their little bylaws that says at their discretion that they can, you know, do whatever. But m- the majority of the time and Jay, this has happened just a couple of different times out here in Nevada that has made a, a little bit of news. But the majority of, of places, if you read in the little uh, house policies, will always say that however a game concludes at the end of the evening is how that the result will be considered final because we have had stat changes come in before. We've had these different things happen, especially on prop bets. You've seen this time and time again. If you don't have, you know, everybody wants to be paid out at the end of a game. And so props get scored and they get paid out. And then we've seen where there's been stat errors and things changed and and, and whatnot all, all over the place. And that's, that's, you don't get to go and you don't get to go and, and get cash your ticket the same way they don't get to come and take the money back from you if it goes the other way with you it's it's how the game is at the end of the night is how the the tickets are scored absolutely then like uh, brett said we're gambling we know the risk and we should know the inherent risk involved and there's other um odds and advantages and we have sports books that pay out parlays differently for from three team for above three teams you have to know the rules of the books and make the decisions on where you can get the best bang for your buck and in this case if you join FanDuel you know that they're going to have some promotions and some of the other books as well they're going to have promotions where if you have a tough luck or a hard luck loss hardened luck in this case you're going to maybe get a refund and that uh, is good customer service I guess in a sense of karma for them but there's uh, there's other ways to do it as well and um, yeah we're back to just discussing that the gambling and the the numbers and the odds and all of that changes in the marketplace and in this case some of the stats and some of the replays could change as well Brett I if they do end up having to replay the final whatever it is seven minutes and 50 seconds of this game which by the way i looked back has happened four other times in nba history they've gone back and replayed games for uh four different times i can't even imagine the promotions and all the stuff that is going to go around this i mean it is like this is a dream scenario for the sports books actually because they will be able to promote this like final 750 of this game or whatever and like i just uh, they are licking their chops at this i can only imagine you think that you think they would get that much promotion? I, could they? Could they? They can't offer. How like, about a DFS? Uh, How about a DFS where it's a showdown? Oh my god! Like oh a my like god. A, a seven minute and fifty second showdown slate. How about that? Let's just increase the variance at all. <laughs> Any way we can, we'll just add more variance to it. And th- uh, this would be the ultimate. The the ten thousand way tie for first in that one. <laughs> you know, is is the way that that one would would go down. All right, guys, we have some big big college football games coming up this weekend. Actually, starting tomorrow. Uh, and with the Oregon and Utah game, and of course on Saturday with all the other big games that are going on, all of these conference championship games. Jay, going to start with you, and before we just start breaking them down, kind of one by one here, let's let's talk about this college football playoff scenario that's going on. We believe, and if you listen to all the experts and you believe to all the people who are much smarter than us that have all these super advanced algorithms or whatever, we believe that three of the four teams are locked in. Does not matter if Ohio State, Clemson, or LSU were to lose, they would still be in the final four here. So we're really kind of playing for that fourth spot. LSU holds serve. Georgia gets booted. And then who becomes the number four team? Georgia were to win. Then the four teams that are in right now most likely are your four teams that are going to be in the playoffs, as you kind of look at this, let's just assume that LSU holds serve. Who do you feel like is going to be that fourth team in the playoffs this year? Um, I would make the case of Utah instead of Oklahoma. Um, if Utah were to beat Oregon, that would be their best win. And again, I think there's argument that Oklahoma has uh, played a little tougher schedule, but if we go and say that a bat, like if you lose early in the season and that's not as bad a loss as later in the season, 
there can certainly be the argument that Utah is playing their best best football. Their one loss was to USC earlier, who has been a ranked team at one point. But um, I would I would think Utah is playing better. They've done everything coming down the stretch. They would have beaten Oregon, who until their upset loss two weeks ago also had a chance to be in here. I think that would be a really good win to get them in there. And as you said, it's all going to come down to if Georgia – beats LSU the final four is set I think even if the other teams lose like you said but if it uh, if Georgia were to get beat by LSU and they are just over a touchdown underdog then you got Utah and Oklahoma or I guess Baylor we haven't considered that uh, Oklahoma still has to beat Baylor and though I think I think the Pac-12 this year gets gets a team in if, if that's the scenario and they're, they're gonna have to probably look relatively impressive which is kind of too bad I think if they just beat Oregon they should they should get in I think they're the better team than Oklahoma my my eye test is what I see and I think their defense is the difference in getting them in this year Brett are you of the same mindset that no matter what happens with the top three teams this weekend that, that they're going to move on Probably, but I don't agree with it. Like you're telling me that if Clemson loses to Virginia, they're still in. So this it's, it's is on, this is where I was going uh, with this. So yes, this is like yes. uh, like this is where I was going with this. So I I still think they will. I guess the question is is could that do you feel that that's right? Because we've talked about all I year don't. long on this podcast. You you know all three of us have talked about all year long that Clemson has had this cupcake schedule just moonwalked into where they are at right now. And listen, they can only again we've said time and time again they can only play who's in front of them. It, it, it can't. It's not their fault that their conference is so incredibly down this year. But that is the facts, and the facts are the facts. And if they were to lose as 28 and a half, 29 point favorites, is is it fair for them to get in? I mean, look, they have steamrolled their competition in the second half of the season. They, they've handled their business. There's no doubt about it. And you can't, I guess you can't punish them for how mediocre that conference was this year. But if they, if they lose to Virginia and Oklahoma and Utah both win, I don't know how you put them. I don't know how you put Clemson in over those other two teams. Yeah. yeah. I actually have an agreement there as well. I think, yeah, in this case, their narrow loss over North Carolina. <clears throat> yeah, they, that was they, they they lose as this big massive favorite. Yeah, I I agree that. Unfortunately, what's happening, Brett, is, is and we know this from the bowl games and how they select which teams get to go to which bowls based on fan and travel. You know, they're looking at an ideal situation here. They want Clemson and Ohio State. They want them hooking up like in a Fiesta Bowl. I mean, they want Joe Burrow. They they want these kind of scenarios to come about, and and it will suck. It'll absolutely suck for Utah and or Oklahoma if they win, and and there's this major upset that Clemson would still get in. I, you know, we're not the committee. I'm not going to decide that. But I would I would also say that probably not in this case. Um, and I think you know I'm betting Virginia this week. I know I'm taking these points, and I know I know uh, Clemson's been on an incredible roll to step step inside of them since uh, that close narrow win over North Carolina. They've been blowing pe- teams out, but this is uh, yeah, it would be considered a major major upset. And I would agree with you. I, I think the other teams have to have much better more consideration to than the one last Clemson in that case. And, and Jay, you just brought up that you're going to bet Virginia. I actually have uh, Virginia in my account as well here. And I actually am going with a little bit of a narrative scenario here. And I don't know if that played into your into your handicapping with this game at all. But I mean, if you're if you're Clemson, you know that you have really and truly like zero near. Uh, uh, it's not a non zero chance, but like it, you have a near zero chance of getting up to the number one spot because you are sitting behind LSU and Ohio State. You would need both of them to lose in the championship game in order for you to get up to that number one spot. And, and you know, they'll, they'll actually know most likely uh, where, where they stand because LSU-Georgia game will likely be over with or at least coming to a close by the time that that game starts. And so, obviously, if LSU wins, there's a zero chance that Clemson moves up to number one. So they are going to stay in either that two or three spot pretty much no matter what happens here. And the reason I'm taking Virginia in the points is if you're Clemson and you're Dabo Sweeney and, and, and if I was the coach of Clemson, once I got up, I'm not taking any chances with any of my important players out there. I mean, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne and all these, they're all hitting the sidelines because I'm not playing at that point for anything that can benefit my team 
whatsoever. So I, I, I'm not taking any chance whatsoever in getting any of my dudes hurt. And I actually think that we'll see like a lot of Clemson second teamers. And that's not to say that Clemson second teamers that are full of four and five stars as it is anyway. But anyway, they're not the guys that are out on the field every single week here. I feel like we see a lot of second teamers and maybe we can kind of get a backdoor cover here from Virginia. I'm I'm not planning on Clemson getting ahead of this spread, but we'll see. I, I think you're you're right on though about they just need to win. You know, they just need to win. There's just different than coming down the stretch where maybe they've got some style points and they got to make certain that um, they're all they're the, the motivation here is yeah, it's an ACC championship still for Clemson, but Virginia. I mean, this is this is really dissing them. I mean, these teams play a similar schedule. I mean, they're in the same conference. They play similar teams, and Virginia's biggest loss by seven points this year three losses but none none by more than seven and they're capable of staying and they they I, I remember watching the Notre Dame game and I had Virginia and I lost that bet but I will remember watching the first half I think they either led or they're they tied at half and I was taking you know double digits and they 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 messed up in the second half and ultimately got away from them a little bit that's kind of a blueprint but if they're good enough to really hang in South Bend I mean this is a neutral site now they're playing in the ACC championship so um, I'm, I'm all with you on Clemson they just have to win to get in if this would be a, a bad loss but from a point spread perspective but you're you know we're buying sell business here as well and you're really paying uh you're paying a price here to bet on clemson this week and yeah if you get there good i guess good because they've been blowing teams out but i think this is different virginia's capable and uh we'll, we'll see where it goes there's a lot of technical stuff that lines up uh but as far as motivation virginia's going to be all into it for their first acc championship appearance and clemson like you said bigger things bigger things ahead still Brett, as you look over over these conference championship games on uh, the, this weekend, any of these numbers stand out to you? Anything that you would like to have in your account? Any of these games that you think maybe are even slightly mispriced? I think I would. I want to wait to see what happens Friday night with the Pac-12 championship, and then take a look at the Oklahoma game because style points are probably going to matter there if Utah wins. So I could see. Oklahoma really putting it on Baylor uh, if if they feel like they need to that that's really the only thing I'm looking at this is I I'm not a big college football better anyway so I just I want to sit back and, and watch these right. games but I think that's that's the one spot I would look at maybe yeah Jay what do you think of any of these other games have you looked at you know any thoughts on an LSU Georgia any thoughts on Ohio State Wisconsin any of these other uh, championship games a lot of the times when I see a Georgia you know um, it's tough to get in front of LSU. They're just they're playing so well. They're they're talented across the board, but Georgia does have the stronger defense in this matchup, and by by a number of yards uh, when you break it down. But um, normally, when I can have what I say is a strong, balanced offense, Georgia doesn't quite rush for 200, just under I think 194 a game. They're pat. They're they're still very balanced. They're just over 200 a game. So their offense is not nearly as explosive as LSU, but their defense is plenty good. And I going into this season, I had Georgia. I did play them to not only make the championship, I thought they were a national title contender. And so I have to really think this through. I mean, my gosh, I can get seven. Uh, I didn't take it at seven. I, I, and I'm a little upset at that, but I'm looking at seven now going, well, I thought I'd just weigh this out a little bit more as I got through the week. And I really had to dig into the, I thought the stats, but normally I'm, I'm taking here with Georgia. In this case, LSU has been so impressive. I'm still kind of weighing that out, but that's, that's the one game where obviously Georgia has to win to get in. Um, LSU could potentially, I guess, still right be the number one seed if they obviously if Ohio State got beat and LSU wins again. I think they've been the most impressive team overall this season, despite Ohio State blowing and blowing out teams. LSU's played a stronger schedule. Yeah, I am. Uh, I do have a Louisiana Lafayette ticket in my account at plus six and a half. I watched that first game between them and Appalachian State. Thought you, uh, I thought ULL really matched up with them well in that game. Played them very, very tight, and um, get me catching the six and a half. Fortunately, this has moved in my favor a lot, down to five and a half over at DraftKings over on the East Coast, and so uh, feeling pretty good about that scenario. I think the only way I get involved in any of these other games would be if Baylor happens to become a double-digit dog uh, again. It did move to ten at one point. It's back down again. If Baylor becomes a double-digit dog here, I think they're live as a double-digit dog and so might get involved a little bit there. But that's about the only thing 
Um, that's about the only thing that really kind of piques my my interest this week as far as these uh, as far as these college bowl games. Hawaii, just as a reference, took money early when the line came out against Boise. So the, the, I'll say the Sharps because they, they made a, a case and moved the number. So Hawaii took money against Boise, and I think, what are we at, 13 and a half now? So it was opened higher. Over on the NFL this week, let's take a look here, Brett, at, uh, you know, you and I will have the, the pod tomorrow, but let's take an early look here. And again, we always end up, talking about your bills here here recently and this is a game that's going to draw a lot of money i was talking to chuck esposito who runs the sunset station here in town last night and he was telling me that this game is actually starting to 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 get some people to the window the ravens have become one of those uh one of those teams that people like to bet on and then people coming back and betting on the other side with the bills here that said uh, I'll full disclosure for me. I've got a Ravens minus five ticket in my account already to see it move to six makes me feel good. Seems like that's some uh, so there, there's been some uh, some movement there. Um, looks like I'm going to beat this one. But um, I think if you look at this objectively and yes, the Bills have certainly surprised. I think all of us so far this year, even despite listen, despite having a soft schedule, you're still going out and winning. And, and, and there's something to be said for that. But when we talk about matchups here, I think this might be the absolute nut low matchup for the Bills because of that run defense. For whatever reason, the Cowboys were plowing along at 5.5 yards per clip and then decided to not run the ball at all in the second half. And Zeke gets two carries in the second half, uh, despite the fact that he goes for 56 yards in the first quarter against the Bills. The way that this Ravens run, this run offense is built here, we know Harbaugh is sharp enough that he's just going to continue to do what works. He doesn't care that, you know, about trying to get fancy or doing anything that, uh, you know, makes him look better. If this is, you know, if they've got to run the ball 45 times in this game to win, they'll run the ball 45 times in this game to win. So uh, I don't know. To me, this one, uh, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just blinded here by what I've seen from the Ravens here recently, but not only on the offensive side of the ball, but I think this defense is playing much, much better as well. Yeah, I think this is <clears throat> I think this is a beautiful spot for the Ravens. This is just such a special team because you talked about matchups. The Ravens are a matchup nightmare for every team. This organization looked at the blueprint around the league. Every team constructing rosters to stop the pass. So you've got smaller, faster, like rangier linebackers on the field and the Ravens are like, all right, well, we're just going to come at you with 13 personnel and just bull rush you. And that's what they do every game. Like it go, It's more than just Lamar Jackson. Like they, they built this entire offense for Lamar Jackson. And then they added Marquise Brown so that teams can't just pull their safeties up to stop the run. Like they have to defend deep as well. It's just, it's, it's so difficult for teams to stop this offense. It's, and, and like you said, I think this is a horrible matchup for Buffalo because they have not shown the ability to stop the run and for whatever reason, teams have not attacked them that way. Dallas being the prime example we just saw last Thursday. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think this is one of my favorite plays of the week right now is Baltimore. And if you got five, that that's a really nice number. Yeah, there was a five. Uh, there was a five here in Vegas yesterday, actually, over at Circa. So when I saw the five, went ahead and pounced on that for a uh, nice little healthy sum. So we're going to be big, big Ravens fans come Sunday. Jay, um, any thoughts on this game and any other games that you uh, maybe already have in your account so far this week? Yeah, I have no, no uh, argument either way with which side you want to support in this game. I had the bills last week and teased him even about the double digits. I, I thought that was a better matchup and a better situation for them. They do get the extra rest into this game. The one thing that gets not enough is, is maybe Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator of the Ravens, like you said, dynamic offense, not only power run game, but the, the way they can spread it and, and the, the ability to move Jackson on the run. They have uh, a lot working and Roman has done a tremendous job with the offense and the play calls and you can dig in and read a little bit more about the players uh, really acknowledging not only the read, read pass options and the power run game, but remember Roman was an offensive uh, offensive line coach and he totally gets it in this case that they're, they're going to set a record here. If they keep this uh, rushing attack around 200 yards, it's going to be the most in a season and for an average. And it is going to be tougher. Buffalo's run defense is very solid. Their defense is very good. I, I remember mentioning when Denver was going here with their young rookie quarterback, how tough a place Orchard Park in this place is to play in Buffalo for a young quarterback, for a rookie quarterback, for an inexperienced quarterback, for a quarterback that hasn't played there. That's the case 
a little bit now with Jackson this week and played up in Buffalo, I don't believe, but certainly their offense is a different animal than Denver was when they completely got shut down. Uh, so I can make the case either way. I haven't bet it. Um, I'm going to give you guys a pop quiz here. So yeah. the Ravens have the uh, longest streak of 100-yard rushing games in the NFL right now. Uh, that is 19 straight games with at least 100 rush yards in the game. I'm going to give you a pop quiz. How many starts do you think Lamar Jackson has in the NFL? Yeah, the answer is 19. Stay? Yeah, the answer is 19. Do you want, do you want yeah. us to answer? Yeah, 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 yeah. The answer is 19. Okay. So oh, yeah, every sixteen-three. I was going to say, yep, under 25 for sure. Every, <laughs> every, 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 every single start he has in the NFL has just changed the way that this, the way that this Ravens team functions here. 19 straight games with 100 yards. 19 starts for Lamar Jackson in yeah. this. It's the longest streak since the 2015 season when the Cowboys had gone 19 straight games with over 100 yards rushing as well. I mean, this is just, uh, as you said, Brez, it's just so incredibly dynamic and so diverse, and they're able to get it done even when he doesn't throw. I mean, we saw last week, and yeah, there was some slop going on and all that, but they were still able to get it done. He only threw for 100 yards, you know, and uh, like that's just, I think there's something to be said for that, that you can still win games against good defenses even when you don't have anything going whatsoever through the air. They went against the grain of what everybody else is doing and nobody can stop it. It's it's been a lot of fun to watch. Let me just comment once more because we hear the narrative all the time about it's a passing league. It's become more passing. And, you know, you look at the teams at the top that are dominating in the running game, uh, San Francisco and Baltimore. And it's not just the rushing yards. It's the carries. I, I go through this. I mean, I've been documenting this for almost two decades and I put it in a spreadsheet every Sunday night or Monday at the latest as the Monday night games finish and I can tell you that teams that outrush their opponent by at least 30 yards are 95 and 45 against the spread it's the lowest actually at 68 percent success rate it's the lowest I've had since documents never finished below 70 percent and yet the Ravens are just dominating the running game not only carries 37 a game rushing 200 yards a game when you can outrush your opponent and control the line of scrimmage you're wearing down the defense you're opening up the passing in the short game and the and actually the deep game because they're gonna have to come to the line of scrimmage to to uh, try to stop that more often and teams that rush for at least 150 yards in a game this year are 63 and 12 straight up they're 57 17 and one against the spread that Again, if you can find the right matchups, I, I, I mentioned this when they went against the Bengals and the Bengals couldn't stop anybody that it's just I can't bet like in a big underdog even catching those points because my my numbers don't suggest that in any way they're going to slow them. So the Bills have to try to find a way to slow that first. That's uh, I like the fact that I, I'm disappointed myself that I haven't been on the Ravens more knowing that the rushing things that I continually track and keep keep on top of and knowing uh, maybe just not enough confidence in the passing ability, but um, we've seen that Jackson has been able to do that very well as well this season. Let's talk about these two other big marquee games before we get out of here and, and uh, the one that everyone's going to be talking about, as well as the 49ers and the Saints. 49ers on the road at the Saints. This thing opens at three and a half, just blows, just blitzkriegs through the three all the way to two and a half. Now we're starting to see a little bit of buyback here on the Saints. It's juiced if you want the two and a half at a lot of the places out there if you want the Saints at two and a half. Uh, at least over on the East Coast here in Vegas, you can still get the two and a half at 110. Um, Brett, start with you here. You take a look at this uh, 49ers team. It is back-to-back -back road games. They stayed out on the East Coast. They went and practiced over in Florida. So uh, Florida to New Orleans, not a big trip or anything like that. They're not going to make the big cross-country trip. But, um, you know, it's still back-to-back -back roadies. They still have not been home going back to their, you know, their training facilities, their whatever, after a, you know, pretty hard-fought game just last week. Yeah, you're breaking routine. You've got, this is their third really, I mean, they blew the Packers out, but that's, I mean, they've got, this is their third really tough game in a row. And I, I said it on Tuesday when we looked at the early lines, I think this is, potentially a letdown game on the road here for the Niners coming off a really hard fought game last week and uh, New Orleans at home. I, I just, I, I do like New Orleans quite a bit here. I, I think this is uh this is going to be a really tough one for, for the Niners. Jay, I, this is like one of those games where you could, you could, you could take the saints 
at two and a half. This thing's probably going to get back to three before <laughs> before kickoff here. Ping pong and back and forth. Then you take the three on the 49ers. You hope it just lands on three and you win one of the sides or something like that. I mean, like it's this this is certainly going to kind of I think before between as we sit here on Thursday and Sunday, I think this thing is going to hit three back down to two and five, two and a half, three back to two and a half, probably, you know, maybe three, three or four different times. Yeah, major matchup here, obviously, not only for division first place, San Francisco hanging in there, but for the number one seed potentially and getting the tiebreaker with a victory. Like you said, the Niners, not in the situational and scheduling, it's more favorable to New Orleans, but elite defense. We've seen that shown out of San Francisco in the matchup. So I'm looking more at the total than being banging my head on which team's going to, I think it's going to be a close contest. And I just, uh, you know, then maybe a turnover is the difference and you're scratching your head when you have a, a margin of four and because of a turnover, but I think it's going to be, we've seen the total come down just slightly from 45 and a half opener. It's 44 and a half. And if you look at the matchups, the Niners pass defense is exceptional. That should be able to slow breeze and do what they do. The situation to be able to have to play back to back road games off a physical game with Baltimore. The Niners are going to uh, try to continue to run the ball as they do. I think the under is a better play in my look at this and uh, I probably should be betting because I think it's going to come down just a little bit more and uh, that's the way I'm looking at this playoff type of playoff type of environment um, I don't see a lot of big big plays in this game so that's the way I'm looking at it more on the total the other game everyone's going to be talking about the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs this thing opens as three and a half it gets uh, some early chiefs money and as we sit right now if you look over on DraftKings, it looks like the patriots money starting to come back in uh if you want the three it's juiced to 117 there at DraftKings. actually juiced all the way to 120 if you want the three at fanduel sportsbook so we are starting to see people come back in on the patriots here jay this is an interesting scenario. Actually, even here in Vegas, uh, some juiced threes as well. You can find just a flat, the uh, 110 three over at stations and at the, uh, it looks like, oh, maybe it's only just the stations at this point. Uh, Westgate, it looks like maybe. But uh, how do you see this thing kind of breaking down? I mean, I understand the early money when you were getting the hook on on the Chiefs. And um, do you, were you a little surprised? I guess I'm a little surprised that the money is already rolling back in as hard as it is on, on the Patriots here as we sit on a Thursday. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to have bet somewhere on the chiefs here. I'll, I'll at least tease them. And the concern continues to be potentially with their defense. Clearly the Patriots have the superior defense yards per play. They're number one in the AFC at 4.5 yards per play. Casey's allowing 5.6 yards per play. But again, what are, we have to project how our team's playing now that Mahomes is back. This offense is dynamic. I, I almost want to say this is, uh, potentially a sleeping giant that's not getting enough credit coming into the playoffs. I mean, this was a team that was there last year, uh, lost to the Patriots on their home field for the championship to to get to the Super Bowl. And I think they're rounding back into that type of team. And we saw them blow out the Raiders. And um, I think because of the early softer schedule, I kept talking about New England, you're going to hear a big narrative that they, you know, awful loss here. They don't lose back-to-back games. But this is going to be, and again, a tremendous playoff type of environment. And I, I like the Chiefs offense and I think their defense is going to continue to get a little better here coming down the stretch. They showed signs of it, certainly against division rival. The, yeah, that was at home. Yeah, the last three. Yes, the last three games, they've given up more than 5.6, closer to 6.3, I think, yards per play. But um, I like this offense and I think they're really going to make a push here down the stretch. So I'm going to be looking at the underdog. Not a big play, of course, with uh, it on the road and the weather potentially. You have to look into that as well as this, as the game approaches. So, Brett, we take a look at this Kansas City defense and this is one of the kind of the few instances where DVOA and pro football focus really really differ in how they see things here the uh, over at DVOA they actually have Kansas City ranked as the sixth best pass defense in all of the NFL but then you head over to then you head over to pro football focus and you take a look at their coverage grades and uh, definitely the Chiefs are much much further down the list down at 18th so a little bit of discrepancy there whenever we look at how these two teams look at each other one of the other things I think that sticks out and again PFF is not the gospel but certainly something that we trust the Kansas City uh, Chiefs pass rush way down at 31st only 
the Miami Dolphins with a worse pass rush than the Kansas City Chiefs, according to Pro Football Focus. And one of the things we've seen from Brady is, you know, he's always self-sacked, but I mean, he is now just so incredibly slow and so averse to trying to escape any sort of anything that you can get pressure on him and things just start going awry, it looks like, for this pass offense. Do you think that the Chiefs have started to turn the corner a little bit on this defensive side of things, or do you really do you have some serious concerns about their defense holding up against you know a Belichick schemed team here? A little bit, yeah. I'm, I'm not buying that football outsiders ranking. My, my eyeballs tell me differently about that about that secondary and their coverage unit. Uh, but the 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 KC pass rush has looked better of late. Frank Clark finally earning some of that contract back. So, yeah, they're definitely playing better than they were early in the season. As far as this number, I always try to isolate spots to buy low on New England because even though this roster stinks they still have the best coaching staff in the league and they will come in more prepared than their opponent. Uh, this Pat's offense has been a disaster, but yeah, the chiefs, they have a lot of holes in this defense and England should be able to exploit them the same, they, same way they did last year. And this is even a bigger spot with potentially home field on the line, Baltimore facing a tough spot this week. I mean, if, if, Buffalo wins, then they're right in the mix with New England if New England loses this game. So there's there's a lot riding on these two huge AFC games this week. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I don't know. I, I the, the biggest difference for me is just the defensive side of the ball. As far as offense goes and the Chiefs, I mean, you, you can see a lot of parallels, right, between what was going on, w- w- what they bring to the table and what the uh, Texans were able to bring to the table last week as well. I mean, you have one alpha receiver and same deal with Hopkins. So if you want to try and put Gilmore on Tyreek Hill, which I think would be a bad idea because Tyreek Hill is just so fast in in coverage, in man coverage. If you, uh, it, it, you, I mean, we've seen it time and time again, right? I mean, he can just go to the house at any given time if he's able to get, get you beat. So I actually think they'll probably take Gilmore and put him on like a Watkins and try to double Tyreek Hill. And if that's the case, then, you know, Travis Kelsey is still there to run uh, to run crazy in the middle of the field. Whatever. I just I feel that there is when you go up against this Patriots off uh, defense, they've had a ton of success against these teams that don't have a lot of multiple options. But you saw this past week with the Texans that even though they took Hopkins, not necessarily out of the game, but. He certainly wasn't as effective as you know he is against normal defenses. They still had other options in you know using Duke Johnson out of the backfield, in Kenny Stills, in Will Fuller, even Darren Fells. You know at the tight end position was able to move the ball down the field, and you could argue that the secondary options for the Chiefs are actually even better. And so I see a lot of parallels as to how this Chiefs offense could attack the um, the Patriots defense. I guess it would just be, can the Chiefs defense stop the Patriots from scoring enough in order to win this game? Yeah, and we talked about that with the Cowboys game too. And due to the weather, the Cowboys couldn't really deploy all of their weapons against the Patriots, and they still covered. So I can definitely see that angle of it as well. My my big thing here is I think it was buying buying low on the Patriots off, uh, off a loss. And I mean, just the KC just absolutely wrecked the Raiders last week. The look ahead on this was, I think it was, was it three? No, it was actually four and a half. Yeah. Four and a half. So yep. this moved, this moved a point and a half after last week. So yeah, I, I'm just, I'm leaning new England just because of the market shift. And I'm, I'm surprised to see a lot of money coming in on the chiefs. It will be interesting. I still, uh, yeah, I mean, if this thing were to, if this thing were to get back to three and a half, I think this is probably a scenario where you're going to catch me coming in mm-hmm. on the Chiefs. And, and you know, even if it doesn't, maybe, a, you know, I don't run a lot of seven point teasers out there, but uh, getting this thing up to 10, getting it up to double digits might be something that could be in my future as well. Have no confidence whatsoever in this Patriots offense. And I know that they're going to surprise me. They're going to come up with a good game plan. They always <laughs> do. But, uh, you know, it's just you watch. It's it's you're just watching the decline of a, of a legend right in front of your eyes here. And it's uh, it's frustrating to see. They just don't push the ball down the field. And there's really no one to push the ball down the field, too. So. Uh, be interesting to watch this one. Super fun games, though, guys, this week. I mean, between these the three that we talked about and even a few more that are on the slate, 
very much looking forward to this week in the NFL. Should be some good ones. We didn't even get to the Seahawks and Rams. And uh, Brett, you and I will talk about that one on the podcast oh, tomorrow. Yeah. And of course, we'll oh, have yeah. a of course we'll have a, a a solo video on that one as well. So, guys, really do appreciate you sitting here through this podcast at the Lines US at Play Picks is how you can find us on Twitter. Of course. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on all of the podcasting formats and everything that we talk about. You can go over to thelines.com and take advantage of. And of course, if you're going to play at any of the sports books in any of the legal jurisdictions, you're going to want to head over there. You're going to want to take advantage of the offers that we have. They're the best ones on the internet. And take the free money, take the free bets, take the match bets, take all the refunds, all the things that these sports books are going to give you when you become a new customer. It is your only chance to have an edge on these guys whenever you get going. So be sure and take advantage of all those stuff. Blinds.com for that as well. For Jay, for Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.